So this morning I um, is a little bit less of a preach. Uh, I don't know if one can say that. Well, I am saying that. Um, so it's a little bit less of a preach and a little bit more of something just that I feel like um, God is, in a sense, impressing on me to address in us. And so I want you to hear this morning and um, as we go into this morning, to posture your heart in a way where you're saying, okay, Lord, come and show me. Like, I don't want to sit this morning, God, and think that I know, but actually, Lord, I want you to come and show and open up in my heart. See, the thing is, when we come together and we come into the presence of God, if we don't allow the presence of God to change us, we're wasting our time. Um, you can go listen to much better motivational speakers um, if you're looking to do something like that. But yeah, when we come together, when we sit in church, when we sit in the presence of God, under the Word of God, we're looking for God to come and change something in our hearts so that we, at the end of it, we might look more like Him, that we might represent Him well um, and better, and we go from one form of glory to another form of glory, so that as we come into His presence and His glory shines on us and his word works in us that we kind of walk on from there being changed and that is something where God is like he, he comes very gentle um, he comes very gentle and he comes very softly and and we me and you we've got to allow ourselves um, the spirit of we've got to allow the spirit of God in our hearts to come and say okay Lord come and change me okay Lord I think sometimes I feel like I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the posture, God, if I don't know. And, and when we do that, it's like we're submitting ourselves into a humble posture. Um, and the Spirit of God comes and it changes us. And that's what we're wanting here today. Amen. Cool. So um, let me pray for us. So maybe just there where you're at. If you can maybe just um, open up your hands. It's really, it's... Nothing magical. It's really just a sim symbolic gesture um, of a position we want to take in this morning. So, Father, we just want to thank you this morning that we can come together as family, that we can come together as your people, as those that you have bought with such a high price, God. And we thank you this morning that as we come together in your presence, we thank you that you are here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place. And we want to be so attentive and sensitive to who you are and what you're doing in this room. And so in this moment, God, as your word comes, we pray, God, that um, you will open up our hearts to hear what your spirit is saying, God. I pray, God, that you would, in a sense, um, make deaf our ears to persuasive words and things that sound maybe um, eloquent or not, or um, intellectual or not, God, but that we would not hear with our ears, that we would hear with our spirit, God. And in this, God, we pray that you would help us um, to change. And so we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy this morning, God, um, that your mercy comes and it allows us to change, God. It enables us, your grace enables us to walk um, in a way that we couldn't walk before or is even physically able to walk. And so we thank you for that. And we pray that you will come this morning and work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take a bit of a recap 
just over this year, we've focused quite a lot on, on relationships and friendships. Um, we focused on, on love, what it looks like, um, what it not just looks like in terms of our hearts, but what it looks like in terms of our actions and one to another. And we've seen that Jesus made available for us a love to function in. Like we know we've got a love and that love is not something we can conjure up um, or each and every one of us kind of have a d- deposit off. And when, when that deposit is depleted, then we're stuck. No, no, no. This is something that God has poured out in us. And that love is a love that propels us towards friendship with one another. That helps us, supports us when things are difficult in a relationship. With one another, with your wife, with your f- family. Like, it's a love that actually has no end. And it's a love that puts us in those moments of where we're constantly sitting, in a sense, on that precipice or that, that cliff of, oh, am I going to get hurt again? Or am I going to get disappointed again or not? And that love actually pushes us to go love anyway. Because for each and every one of us, for me and you, we're sitting here today because of a love that in a sense, didn't see the things where we fall short. But it looked at us, and it saw what what it's meant for us to be, and meant for us to walk in. And that's the love of Jesus that we saw on the cross being poured out, is he looked at us and he said, I have something else for you. I see where you're at, but I have something else for you. And it looked at us, and it came into our lives, We've spoken about being true disciples, not just Christians, like what that looks like. And I think that statement, even in saying it and prepping it, and it's something that continuously like, plays in my mind when I'm doing something. Like it, it, it just comes up and goes, Rian, are you being a Christian right now? <laughs> or are you actually being a disciple? Are you listening to the voice of God? Are you, are you walking with Him and not just doing what you think people expect of you to do? Because as a pastor, there's a lot of expectations. <laughs> and you can fall quickly into that. And I think if I were to fall into that, man, my life would um, suffer. And so I constantly have to remind myself. But that's just not, not just for me because I'm a pastor. But for you and for all of us, because we're in Him, we're constantly fighting that battle of what the world wants or what people think and what people's expectations are, what our expectations is of other people and how those expectations become like wolves that standing around you and they look back at you and they go, ah, you thought Gerbrand needs to do this and this and this. Are you doing it? And so those expectations that we sometimes place on people are oftentimes the expectations that we place on ourselves. And oftentimes the things that we realize, I'm falling short of these things. And I believe in this time that we are in, it is so crucial to talk about these things, to talk about how are we loving, to talk about how are we discipling, to talk about how are we being family, to talk about how are we reaching out, how are we going beyond this. We need to get this right. It's very important. And the reason why we need to get this right, being family and being church, is because if we can't get it right here, 
we're going to struggle to get it right out there. You, you believe, do you agree with me? And so it's so important for us to talk about these things. We're not just talking about these things because we're going like, hmm, what are we going to talk about? Okay, what can we preach about? Hey, Kev, do you have a message? Um, no, no, no. We're trying to hear God and trying to hear what God is saying in this time. And actually the message is always this is what we're talking about. It's just in different ways and different things that God exclamates different issues and things. But it all in the end comes back down to loving God with everything that's inside of you and then loving one another like you love yourself. And Jesus told us like these two things, everything the law, what we know about God and the prophets, what has been told of God, the future that we have in God, all these things, our faith is held together and it brings, gets brought together in those two things. To love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and to love your brothers like you love yourself. And so for us as church, we are having to, in a sense, be um, continuously reminded of this, but also to be, um, what's the word, engaged by these things. We are not an organization. No, no. We are the household of God. That's who we are. That's why we're here this morning. We're here this morning because we are the household of God. We are part of God's house. And God's house, God's family comes together and they celebrate God. Just like today, for some of you, you're going to go to um, your mother's house or you're going to have your children coming to your house or like you're going to do something for Mother's Day. Because it's a celebration of family. It's a celebration of what has gone before us, but also what, is, what we are building towards. We are building always towards togetherness. And so even in your own family, there's those times of celebration. And where we come together as church, that's what we come together. We celebrate our father. We celebrate our family. We are the household of God. That's why we are here. It's so amazing to see all the new members come up and looking like, man, there's not even space on the stage. They're going like, hey, don't stand on the stage. The stage is going to break. Like, that's amazing. That fills my heart with joy. So go like, that's our, like, it's amazing to be part of that. Amen? So I'm going to start here this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says this. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens. And I want you to remember those words. Strangers and aliens. Because they, they are important words. And then another word that is important. But you are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens. Do we have it up there? Is our, where's our AV? Is it there? Okay. I, I can't see her. <laughs> um, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. And that fellow is so important. It could have just said, you are now citizens. But that word fellow, we, we just would read over it. 
But immediately that word introduces something of togetherness. We're all citizens of South Africa. It doesn't mean that we're together. But the moment this, we introduce the word fellow, immediately it means like, hey, there's something personal. There's something familiar. There's something uh, 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 that is in me and in you. We're together, fellow citizens. And I wanna, wanna, want us this morning to, to dig into that. We have been added to the family of God, the household of God. That is why this is important and why we spend so much time on talking about these things. And so where I want to start this morning is the reason why we are together is, first of all, because Jesus. He is the absolute center of everything that we're doing. He's the center of what we're about. He's the center of what we speak about. He's the center of how we live. He's the center of what we encourage each other to. He's the center of the motivation that we have towards one another and fighting for one another. It's Jesus. It's not because the elder or a leader wants to show you that they are no better than you or can do things better than you. No, 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 no. It's Jesus. That's why we are here. That's why we are preaching what we're preaching. That's why we're saying and encouraging what we're encouraging. That's why we have difficult coffees. We also have good coffees, but we have difficult coffees. And we have difficult things that we walk out with one another and we encourage one another. When you don't come to church, we go, why have you not been here? It's not because people are not checking up on you and go, like, like a, what do you call it, a sweep, a sambok, Okay. And not to some book you, okay? No, no. It's because we care, and because Jesus is in us, and we know Jesus is in you, and because of that, we go. Why are you missing out on what Jesus have for us? That's what this is about. And at the very center of our being together is Jesus. It's not coffee. It's not buildings. It's not fun times. All those things are amazing. They are not anything in themselves. If you take a fruit and you take it off the tree and you leave it, it will eventually just um, spoil. I think that's how you would say it. It will just spoil and it will just go into nothingness. But the tree always stands. <laughs> and that tree will again produce more fruits. And so our times together and our fun, we, like last week, we had an amazing time with the kids. And it was so much fun dancing with them and all the elders. You should see all the selfies that was taken in the, um, in the, the fishbowl upstairs as we got dressed. And um, man, we had so much time. We had so much fun time in just being together. Like, that's great. But without Jesus, that is really short lasting, it lasts for a moment. But with Jesus, those things build us into the forevermore, into eternity. It causes us to love one another deeper. It causes us to walk with one another, to want to walk with one another for further, longer, and through tough things. Do you agree with me?
See, we are set out and completely convinced and motivated to do whatever it takes to see Jesus being manifested and glorified in each other's lives. That's why we're here. That's why we walk the difficult things out. That's why we're not just going like, cool. You know, you, you, you can get those places of where people are just going like, hi, hey, I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to be happy. Like, you've got your patch of grass. I want mine. Let's just be happy. Let's just, no, 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 no. We're going like, that is not real. We're going to fight with one another. But the aim is not to fight. The aim is to, let's move forward. Let's see each other Go forward. Let's see each other come into that place of where the fullness of God gets manifested in our lives and through our lives. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Who of you want the fullness of God in your life? Put up your hand. I want to see. Just so I can make sure. I speak to the right people. Keep it up. I want you to think about it. Keep your hands up. Okay. And I'm going to work out your muscles a little bit this morning. Jack, Jack wants it. <laughs> Jack, coolest kid. If you want the fullness of God in your life, I want to say to you, you need to look around to the people around you. Look around. See, see whose hands are up. And those whose hands are up, I want to say to you, like, you can invite them into your life and say, help me, because I can't do it by myself. And unless you have these people around you speak into your life and open your life up to them, you, okay, you can put it down. I see, like, people are going like, <laughs> unless you have these people speaking into your life, you probably will never even come close to what God's plan was for your life. You can go try it in a different way. But I would guarantee you, you would come back realizing, should have listened. Ephesians 2, verse 19. We read the first part, I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to carry on through it. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So what I just said, him being the center of everything, of why we are built together, of every relationship, of why we address one another, of why we're pushing in, of why we're doing these things. Jesus, the center, the cornerstone, the one upon which everything else is standing. And you take the cornerstone out, everything crumbles. And so that's why we are here, it's why we're going to continue, because Jesus is the center, amen? Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So you remember the hands? Jesus being the center, and each and every one of us being planted in, being Put together brick by brick, we grow together into becoming the temple of God, into becoming that place where the presence of God dwells. 
Not one brick alone. See, if you believe in Jesus, and you go, no, 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 I can do it with Jesus alone. Because of who Jesus is, he's always going to bring more bricks to the party. Do you realize that? So if your Jesus is alone and not with other bricks, you're probably serving the wrong Jesus. Jesus will always bring in those who are lost. That's why he's there. That's why he came. That's why he gave his whole life is for more. It's for the family of God. So we've got people, not necessarily in us, but all around the world, thinking that I can serve God on my own. You cannot. You're not serving the Jesus of the Bible. You're serving an idea of yourself in your own heart. And this morning, I'm addressing this thing in us. Because I believe there's certain glimmers of this that is in us. And if we don't look at it, if we don't eradicate that thing, it will end up and you will skew away until you're not serving Jesus of the Bible anymore. That's why we're fighting this battle. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Through the last while, I've seen these things in us. Speaking to people, having difficult coffees. I see that there's something in us that's trying to separate us. And it's not, it's not because of you know, people. It's, it's just things in us that wants to say to me, and I have those battles too. Say to me or say to you or you going like, hey, these people don't understand me. These people don't know me. These people are not inviting me for lunch. These people are not. And these small things and small thoughts that creep into us. And they end up causing us to want to separate ourselves from what God has put together. And that's why this morning... Like, I want to speak about loneliness. And I want to say this morning, and or not speak about it, I want to address it. Loneliness is a work of the enemy. No two ways about it. And this morning, I'm addressing that in our hearts. Because that will always become a breeding ground for bitterness. And once bitterness sits into our hearts, there's all kinds of judgments, all kinds of darkness that opens up. And we end up suffocating the light out of our hearts. And so this morning, I'm, I'm trusting God and His Holy Spirit, and I'm Hoping and banking on each and every one of you that you're going to be brave. I say, Lord, I want to fight this thing. I want to kill this thing in my life. 1 Peter 5, we see 
the church or the leaders, the overseers being addressed on how to shepherd the flock. And as they are being addressed on how to shepherd the flock, God gives quite clear through the, through the writer, gives clear directions on how the flock is meant to be shepherded. Is that a, is that a word? Shepherded? I don't know. Um, it's meant to be done with gent, in gentleness, with lots of care, with lots of love, slowly, not for personal gain. Whether financially or famous or whatever, it's not like I loved what, what Brad was saying yesterday. Like, hey, like we're not famous. Love that. Killing self. With lots of care and love. Willingly. Not for selfish gain, but rather being an example of selflessness. That's how God looks at the overseers, the elders, the deacons, the community leaders. And he says, love the people, shepherd the flock. And from a place of selflessness. And it's not because we need to be good people. There's no such thing as good people. There's God people and then there's the rest. Now because the nature of Jesus is a nature that is selfless. When you look at Jesus' life, there's so much written about him. And not once do you see where he even has like an edge of something where he's just going like, oh, this is mine. Or I deserve this. No, no, it's like he's this, the son of God into, made into man And people speak to him as if he's a cockroach. And he doesn't for one moment even go like, but do you really know who I am? I'll be soft, I'll say it to you. Do you know I'm a leader? Do you know you're going to hell if not for me? Do you want to maybe check about how you speak to me? No. He just goes, I'm who you say I am. I want to protect myself I don't have my own way it's about my father so you see that heart of selflessness being poured out and today me and you sitting here get to call him the cornerstone the center of everything that we are about we get to live And love and be in his presence because of his selflessness. So in that same way, he comes to us as those who oversee and he says, be the same. I'm giving you everything you can to go and be the same. But see, saying it to the leaders doesn't mean that it's just for leaders. No, no, no. And I I try and remind our leaders every single moment I get is that we are the first examples We're the first examples of those that need to be selfless. We're the first examples of those that need to live in the light. They need to lay their lives down. It doesn't mean we're the last examples. We're just the first examples. Taking Jesus as the one and only example, we become first examples. But it's for each and every person to take that. And say, Lord, this is how I need to live. And then, 
we go on 1 Peter 5, he carries on. And then he says to us why we need to care for one another, why we need to fight for each other, why we need to do it in such a way. Because you see, he knows that the heart of man is fickle. And so he says, because the heart of man is so fickle, because the heart of man is so quick to kind of like just sway away, be take great gentle and great care and do it in a loving way. Because the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to devour. See, in that, I think, not think, I know it's the Holy Spirit coming and bringing those words to the fore. Saying that in people, we've got this thing in us where our hearts are so, I'm saying this word a lot. I'm not, I'm not sure why it's so stuck in my head right now. Fickle. Okay? Why our hearts are so fickle? And it's like the moment something happens to us, instead of going like, okay, cool, let's sort this out. Enrico, can you come here? Can you stand here? <laughs> if Enrico does something to me, Instead of going like, okay, cool, uh, like something happened here, let's figure this out, we tend to do this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Enrico is not really who he says he is. He's not. But, <laughs> but when he does something, there's always still two parties at play. There's what he's done and the way I receive it. Amen? And so instead of going the way I receive it, it's like, whoa, that was a bit sore, but let's, let's figure out, dude, what did you try and do here? We just go, no, no, he's a bad guy. I don't, I don't I'm not going to open up my heart to him again. Thanks, Peter. And so at our hearts, in our hearts, there's this fickle thing to want to separate. And so the preacher or the writer writes to that and actually says, no, 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 no. Remember, that's actually what people are like. But the moment they separate themselves, what happens is there's a lion that's prowling around. He says, well, let me rephrase that. He says the enemy is like a lion. And that like a lion means the way he hunts is like a lion. Go look National Geographic or any other picture for that matter. You'll never see a lion standing in the midst of sheep or any other animal other than lions. He'll never be surrounded by other animals. He'll always be in a it's a, you call it a prowl, a pride, sorry, prowl is, okay, in a pride. But when he hunts, he's always hunting a single thing. It's never anything together. They come into a, into a herd of something, and what they do, the only thing that they do is to try and separate. Why? Because then, that separation, that one is most fun. See, the enemy is lazy. Really. I can say that. I'm not scared. 
The enemy is lazy. And what that means is, is that me and you, he's banking on me and you giving him space to come and separate ourselves. That's what he's trying to do. And then he just waits and he hunts and he, again, he then secludes, he separates, he alienates. And the moment he alienates and separates, what happens? Sips of brandboda. 1 Peter 5, 8 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. And just look at how beautiful the scripture kind of comes together. It says, knowing that the same kind of sufferings, and they go, quickly run, up here. The same kind of sufferings are being experienced. Next one, I'm going, same kind of, because that is a different, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So scripture shows us that we do this, but it says when we want to do this, remember we need to do this. Because as much as I'm fighting something and I'm fighting hurt and man, he, he, he made me sore. At the same time, there's something that's hurting him. And for both of us, we're meant to be together. Like this, anybody can come through here and it's going to be a struggle. Like this, we become a wall. Amen? Thanks, bro. You can go, you can go. So I was reading an article that was done on a study, just kind of post-COVID. Um, and it was done in America. I know we're not in America, okay? There is a Menlo Crescent in America. But we are in South Africa. I'm very happy about that. And it speaks about loneliness and loneliness in America. And this a study that was done. Quickly listen to this. Loneliness and isolation equates and can be equated to the same risks, health risks, than 15, smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Do you know what 15 cigarettes a day looks like to you? Bad news. It can increase the risk for premature death to the levels of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It warns that the physical consequences of poor connection can be devastating including a 29% risk, increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk of de developing dementia for older adults. Loneliness. 
feeling like my connections isn't strong. It shows that in young people aged 15 to 24, that bracket has 70% less social interaction with friends. That is significant. That is significant. So in us, that thing comes and it separates. The moment loneliness sets in into our hearts, we look at everyone and we go like, why are they not spending time with me? Like, what is wrong with me? What did I do? Oh, you know what? They're not as good as they think they are. But I today want to say this to us, and this might sound a little bit harsh. I believe loneliness is a choice. I believe it's one of the most selfish choices one can make. The day we start feeling lonely is the day that we started to stop fighting a fight. Or running our race. It's a day that we started to nullify what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm saying that knowing full well that in us, even in me, these times that I feel lonely. And now now, so we're sitting here and we go like, hey, I feel lonely. And that's why I want to bring us back this morning to Jesus being the center. The cornerstone will always bring more bricks and plant them in. Loneliness is most often not actually people being physically absent in our lives. But rather it's the judgments we make about being disconnected, about feeling not fitting in, about feeling like I don't have something to contribute, about feeling that what I have to contribute is not good enough. It actually doesn't have anything to do with other people. It's the way I look at myself. And that's why I'm saying this morning that it's a choice. And I believe Jesus has come to kill that in us. Jesus has come to destroy loneliness. See, he himself has been in a place where on the cross where he said, like, God, why have you forsaken me? And there was a moment that God had to, in a sense, turn his back on Jesus. Because Jesus had taken on the sins of the world. He took on loneliness. He took on not being enough. He took on like falling short in every possible way. He took that on and that separated him from God. But that loneliness that he took on was all there so that at the end of the day that me and you can know that we will never again be alone. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, Scripture says that they were fully connected with God. Like they knew the mind of God. They knew the heart of God in that place. It was a connection. They walked with God in the cool of day. I mean, just... 
But the moment that they ate of that fruit, there was a clear, immediate separation. And since that day, till the day that Jesus came back and died on the cross and stood up out of the grave, since that time, there was loneliness. And it was far off. But where we are now and where we live now is not in the far off. It's not in the lonely. It's that we are with him. And he is with us. The enemy wants you and me to believe that we cannot trust, that we are not safe, that everyone is out to get us, and that no one really understands us. And we are not enough. Who's ever felt like that? No, put up your hand. Can you see? Can you look? Oh, keep your hands up. Can you see around the room? So if, I keep, if you keep your hand up and I read the scripture again, I read this. Where is it? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout all the world. And as our hands are up, the one thing that each and every one of us, me and you, are waiting for is we're waiting for someone to reach out and just go, hey, Abby, I'm here. That's what we're waiting for. But see, Jesus came and Jesus was that hand. Jesus was that hand to say, hey, Abby, come out. Hey, Rian, hey, Lizette. Hey, Rob, come out. And from that moment on forward, he doesn't just go, hey, Rian, come out. Hey, Clint, come out. Hey, Alet. He goes, hey, Clint, I'm giving you Alet. Alet, I'm giving you, I'm giving you, I'm giving you. We're giving each other. He he gave us to one another. They go, come out. You're into my family. Man, look at my family. There's a Candace, there's a Harry, there's a Kevin, there's everybody. There's a Grant, there's a Allison, there's a Sarah. There's all these people that he's bringing together and he's saying, look at this. This is my family. Never again, never again will you be alone. Now love the way I've loved you. So, keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, and then I want to, in that, we see Matthew 18. The word speaks to us and it says to us, and it kind of gives us a little bit of handles on when someone hurts us or does something against us. It gives us handles on how to deal with that. And the reason it's giving us those details is not so that we can kind of look like we're mature or... No, no, God knows we're all immature. Okay, we are all immature, unfortunately. But God gives us those things because the connection between people is one of those connections that are most important to God. 
I oftentimes look at scripture and I see some of the things that we see in scripture, even some bad things. You can see people doing bad stuff. In every situation, there's always either a negative drawaway or a positive drawaway that you can take from that principle, okay? In Babylon, when the people built the Tower of Babel, did I say Babylon? When people built the Tower of Babel, one thing that we saw there is we saw that when people truly come together, it is a seriously unstoppable force. Now, they did it for the wrong reasons. But the reality of what they have done is still true for us today. And God, in that moment, gave them all different tongues and like scattered them like, because of where their hearts were at. But the same thing for us here today, and because we have Jesus being the cornerstone, Jesus being the one that connects and unites us, that flows through me, flows through you, flows through all of us. Because of that, when we stand together, man, that is an unstoppable force. And that's where scripture comes and says that with his true unity, God commands a blessing. Because when people are truly together, walking together, not saying kumbaya, everybody in the right note, nobody singing false, nobody singing out of time. No, that's not unity. Now, unity is me and you being different, being culturally different, coming from different houses, being, being different colors, different everything. Us being able to come together and serving God and running for God and trusting God to come and do great things. That is something that is supernatural. There's nothing natural about that. It actually shows who he is. It shows his power. And that is beautiful. <laughs> and so Matthew 18 comes and says to us, actually, when someone hurts me, the way I need to deal with it. And when it gives us those keys on how to deal with it, and I'm going to get into it just now, those keys are there so that we don't break one another. We don't break relationship. We don't allow for loneliness or those things to set into our heart. That we don't allow for any separation between me and you and us to one another. That's why it's there. So, in Matthew 18, it says to us that when somebody comes and somebody's done something against me, that the way I deal with that is I go, Gerbrand, you've done something against me, Okay. You're shorter than me, and I'm offended by that, okay? <laughs> I've done something against him now, okay? <laughs> You've done something against me. And then it says, says that I must go and speak to him. Quickly come here, Gary. Then I come and I speak to him, and I say to him, Gary, you've done this. And then Harry goes, no, Rian, I haven't done it. I'm not willing to hear you. Then I come and I say, Kevin, can you come quickly? Can you come quickly? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I say, Kevin, I've spoken to Gerbrandt. He's done this to me. What do you think? And then Kevin goes, hmm, Rian, I think it was something that you did. 
I agree, Herbert didn't actually do something. That gives me the opportunity then to realize like what I felt was it's actually something that was wrong in me and where I misread something. And then because the two of them are together, I can now establish in my own heart, okay, sorry, Gerbrand, I'm sorry that I felt like that. I'm going to change. Or if it happens to him, the same thing. Thanks, Kev. Gerbrand, you stay. <laughs> but in the case of where Gerbrand goes, like, oh, Rian, I hear you. I, I didn't mean to do that. In that moment, me and him together, we can come and we say, okay, this was a mistake. We need this. I said, cool, let's be together. And we can let the, the, the situation slide. Thanks, Harry. Scripture in Matthew 18 says to us, every matter needs to be established by two or more witnesses. But here's what happens. Is, and people call it the, the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. Herman did something against me. And instead of going speaking to him, actually, he's such a bad guy. He thinks he's so cool. He's not. (laughs) And I end up establishing in my own heart things against him that never should have been established. And then a few days later, I end up looking at Gerwand, and Gerwand just walks, walks past me, and I go, see, doesn't even greet me. He thinks he's taller than me. And I know we laugh, but I've dealt with Gerwand over this for a few times. I'm joking. The reality is, this is what happens in our hearts. And we establish a matter. And because we establish that in an illegal way, in a sense, what happens is it separates us. And the moment we're a little bit separated, in comes the thoughts of, oh, I have no friends. Gerwan doesn't invite me ears even more. Prize with other people. And Before I know it, I'm like, you know what? This whole church, they don't care about me. I'm going to serve God all on my own. And so the danger for us, and this is where Scripture also comes in. Scripture encourages us to believe the best about others over ourselves. It's very difficult. See, the thing is, when we allow loneliness to creep into our hearts and we allow ourselves to be separated, what we end up becoming, see, each and every one of us sitting here are meant to add and contribute through the Holy Spirit to what God is doing in our midst. And so in some ways, one can say that for each and every one of us sitting here, that there's something of the voice of God that resides inside of you. And that facet of God can only be brought by you opening up your mouth and speaking and bringing it and contributing. 
But when we start separating ourselves and we allow loneliness and the bitterness and all these things that come with it, we end up speaking with the voice of the enemy. And then what we say breaks down, it doesn't build up. It becomes not truth, but your reality. And so truth and reality is always fighting, fighting each other. Some feelings is real, but the truth falls in a different place. And when we start speaking out of reality, what we end up doing is we're speaking with the voice of the enemy. Because the enemy can only function in what is in front of me. That's where the enemy is. God has given the enemy space in this world, not in the next. Now, God holds eternity. God holds the future, not the enemy. And so this fight between reality and truth then becomes a thing of where we actually try break down truth to kind of settle reality. So, I need to end up or end, finished. But I think what's important for us to go here is that we are fortunate that Jesus understands that loneliness. He had it on the cross, and we have some scriptures to actually speak of that. Hebrews 5, Hebrews 4, 15, he says, For do, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So when that thing happens and that brother has hurt me or I feel separated, if I speak out of that place instead of killing that and acting with the truth and faith instead of reality and my feeling, if I act with that, I end up sinning. And it's just like Jesus, he has been tempted. So it's like the loneliness that we think that we feel or the separation that we think what we feel or the accept, this not acceptance that we think that we are feeling. Jesus knows it to the uttermost. And in that place, he can sympathize with us and he can speak into that if we allow him. In every respect, has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence. So because we know that he understands and that he knows and that he's tempted, that we're not bringing him something that he doesn't know, we're not bringing him something that he's not aware of. No, 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 he knows. And because of that, we come to him and we say to him, Oh God, that's what it says. Let us approach him to the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy. Mercy, oh Thank you, Lord. I thank you that you understand. I thank you for your love that's in me. Mercy. And find grace. Okay, Lord. This love that you've given me enables me to overcome this feeling. Even in a place where I feel like I'm not accepted or I can't contribute, I thank you that your grace comes and enables me to walk and to contribute. Because what I hold on to is your understanding. What I hold on to is your grace. What I hold on to is your love. And that 
stirs up your grace inside of me to actually go, I don't need to be accepted. I don't need to be received. I don't need to be loved because I am loved and therefore I will love. And that is something that for me and for you this morning that I believe that God wants to come and address in us. It is time for us to end loneliness and the holds of what it has in us. Jesus has come to destroy it. Yesterday, I um, at the gathering, I was sitting at the back. We always sit at the back just because of kids and stuff. Um, but sitting at the back and Grant, where's Grant? They're at the back. He's at the back again. Uh, but Grant walked past me. And um, as he walked past, I'm like, Grant, man, I'm so excited that God has added you. And in that moment, when I said to him, I'm so excited, it's like something in me just wanted to go, <laughs> I just wanted to bawl my eyes out. And I'm like, let me just swallow it a little bit. But it was because of excitement. It's like in that moment, seeing all those people being added to us, I'm going like, you. I know of so many people that don't have this. Don't have family. Like, and just Grant, Alison, and your family, I'm super excited for God adding you to us. I think you're amazing. And I know there's so many others, Altus. Anli, Rob, like so many others here that have been added to us. I remember the day that Rob walked into this church. Last year, beginning of the year. Rob walked in here and to see how God has changed his life. It's challenged me. And I go, now he's part of us. He's like, he's my brother. And that is God's heart for us. Like, Rob doesn't necessarily try, I don't, I don't know, maybe he does, look at himself in the mirror and go, today I'm going to add to what they do at church. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, just him being here is adding to us. And I want to say to each and every one of us, Darren, Melissa, man, I'm so excited and stoked to have you guys with us. He shouts for Nottingham Forest. It's better than Liverpool. <laughs> but it's one thing I would agree with Liverpool. Sort of. You'll never walk alone. Amen? But we'll always be united. Okay. We can walk together. <laughs> so. I would like us to close our eyes.